this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to be fun, and together we will become fearless. Hello, hello, hello. Sorry, that was my really bad impression at McConaughey there, but welcome to the Fearless Fathers Podcast. It's another Monday. It's episode 49. Four nine here on the Fearless Fathers podcast. If you're not including our wonderful, wonderful trailer that I haven't listened to since, oh, I don't know, maybe April. It's Davo here. Alongside me, as always, is Mr. Ryan McDonough. Ryan, say what's up. How we doing, buddy? You know that the trailer was like the first piece of voice work that I'd ever done, and I am by no means good at it, and it fucking shows. We really did. <laughs> like a lot <laughs> and you know what's great too that's one of our most listened to so it's, it's so fucked up like i don't want to get rid of it because then the views go away but <laughs> on the other hand yes this is ryan mcdonough this one i'm actually kind of looking forward to it it's 50 episodes five months in we've been going you've been listening if you're just tuning in for the first time welcome because i don't even know what to expect you're not going to know what to expect but we're going to have some fun along the way. This one, I think, is going to be a bit of a two-parter, if you will, in a sense, to celebrate 50 episodes. Ryan, why don't you tell them what we're going to be doing? Well, Dave, it's going to be exactly a two-parter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand you know, what the uh, problem was at the half-an-hour planning meeting we did before this. <laughs> but, Wait, we did a meeting? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we jumped <laughs> on a call and talked about it and drank a beer. That's what I did. <laughs> so, for the 50th episode, we're going to do the stigma of being a great dad. Now, not all stigmas are bad. But certain stigmas can be connotated as bad because <laughs> we've yes. all been on Pinterest or fucking TikTok or Reddit. And like you're sitting there and you're watching this guy turn a fucking trash can into R2-D2 and pick up all the shit in his son's room. And all of a sudden the fucking internet explodes. And you're like, yo, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't have a tangent there. But the point like is, <laughs> the point. my point is. We want to, in our best words, define what a great dad is to you. Mm. And I think what you're going to do is be incredibly surprised with how many of you are already great fathers and have don't even know it. Before we, we do that, we have a list today of great dads from history that have faced enumerative challenges. And they still took the time to become great fathers. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, whatever you're going through in life, you can do this. You just go out and you just do it. I think that's really what you're trying to get to is like, like he said, the first part of this, we're talking about great dads of history. If you ever watched epic rap battles of history, he's right. There's going to be about six dads that we're going to kind of gloss over throughout different time periods in history and what made them great in different things. And. No stats, no by the numbers, none of that Ryan fancy swimming in decimal points and fractions type stuff. But we got something out of it. Hopefully you guys get something out of this one too. Yeah, so Dave brings up an interesting point there. 
everything's subjective. There's no there's no ability to actually measure who's a great dad and who's not a great dad. Well, you know what there is, but not not with numbers. So at the end of the day, I hate this episode <laughs> because I can't fucking, you know, you know, measure it correctly. But I love it on the other hand because it's just full of good good stories of humanity and people doing the best they can. And these are um Dave, what would you say? Celebrity? I, I don't even want to say the celebrity. Historical figures, I guess. Historical figures, yeah, would yeah. probably be the best from like way, way back in the day to pretty present. I think it does a pretty good job of it. So, and it hits, it hits six unique fathers in different time periods of life, which I think is really cool because it shows the struggles that dad has been facing since really the beginning of time. That being said, do you want to lead us off with the first one? So coming in at number six on this list, which our source comes from live science, doting dads, six of history's finest fathers. Oh, and this was also published eight years ago, by the way. Was it? Only to be aware, it was. Oh, all right. So we'll have that in there for you guys so you can check out the nonsense that we're reading today. But coming in at number six is the one, the only, you've heard of him, you barely know of him, Mr. Charlemagne that first ruler of the Holy Roman Empire, like back in AD 742, like he crushed it back then, right? King of the Franks. And they also called him the father of Europe. But Hmm. did you also know that he was an actual father and considered maybe a softie at some points? He had one of his children who were possibly illegitimate by the name of Pepin the Hunchback, so named because of the spinal deformity that they had just by reading through it and kind of going through like he actually really treated this kid well favoring him over his younger siblings and his younger brothers as it was appropriate you know during the lineage during that time in roman history and that whole monarch whatever it was then but when he chose his youngest son or his younger son to be his successor do you know what pepin did well i mean it's roman times he probably tried to kill him he tried to kill him yeah he tried to kill charlemagne his wife and all of his legitimate children. But wait, that plot was exposed. But even here, Charlemagne showed some fatherly mercy, as most fathers do. Instead of just beheading his son and being like, oh, I'm done with you, screw it. What did he do? He just banished Pepin to a monastery where he lived out the rest of his days. He also took care of his daughters, helping educate them and raising them right and building all that instead of what was really done in really, what, the 700s and A.D. Roman times. And when they uh, produced illegitimate grandbabies, he indulged those children too. I just think, like, that story, his own son who was possibly illegitimate with a hunchback tried to kill him. And he's just like, you know what, I still love you. That's cool that you tried to murder me and, you know, my family. After I totally didn't give you the throne. So we're going to let you live in a monastery for the rest of your life. That's what I get out of it. I mean, it's for the time that is unusually good. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what the, what the biggest thing you take away from that is the the father. He just couldn't. He just absolutely could not put his son to death, even after all the things he did for him. And then and then the betrayal. And, and that's the craziest thing. It's like, well, we're not going to kill you. We're going to kill everybody the fuck else and your wife. You know, who who wasn't his mother, so I guess he didn't have too much, uh, you know, right. at stake in it. But at the end of the day, dad lets him go. I mean, a monastery, I, I can't imagine that's a super great life either. But 
it's a safe place with a roof over your head and it's warm and you and you get fed and all that fun stuff. It's it's far better than the chopping block. It's a lot better than the chopping block, I would say. You get to keep your life and live out your days. Like you said, yeah, it's a monastery. Like you're exiled to that. Like you said, back then, you never betrayed the old man. You never betrayed dad. If you did, especially royalty like that, straight off off with your head. And I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest history buff. I know just enough about that kind of stuff. Man, that was just so commonplace back then that you that that's just what you did and you never betrayed dad and when you did that was just a major sign of disrespect not only to you but to your whole family so this one i had no idea about this one and i'm sure there's some history buff out there be like wow you didn't know and i'm gonna write you a mean email that says that you're an idiot and well yeah i've been saying that for 49 episodes so here you go guys (laughs) so yeah this one is a little it's it's lesser known person in history but gentleman by the name of Thomas More, he was a counselor to King Henry VIII during the period of time that he was separating from the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church and King Henry VIII really didn't agree on divorce, I think is what it was. That's what it was, yeah, because he tried yeah. to have like 45 wives and they all had girls. Sure. There yeah. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Times are different, obviously. This is, uh, this is, you know, not as big of a deal now. But the fact that he even opposed the king on this issue of breaking away from the Catholic Church, which was an, which was an extraordinarily powerful organization at that point in time, got him uh, arrested for treason and then beheaded with uh, 10 concurrent death penalties. I don't know how you, how you, uh, you know, enforce you just all take the You take the head, you sew it back on, you reach up and rinse and repeat, man. Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Before all that went down, according to this article, Thomas More was an excellent father. He trained all of his children with a classical education, which he would have had access to being a uh, being, you know, in the in the fucking royal well, the royal family, <laughs> I guess, which is more than most people would have. Even during his imprisonment in the Tower of London, he, he, they would allow his daughter to, you know, to visit her quite frequently um, to continue their, their education, which was honestly incredibly human of i guess the king except for the whole you know beheading fact and the protestant thing uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is what it is man <laughs> yeah yeah i get it hey, it's different uh, times yeah it, it was like <laughs> oh you think you think slightly different than me and i have a different interpretation of this book fuck you give me your <laughs> fuck head. <you're> dead. <laughs> yeah, dead. well let me finish giving my my daughter a high school education first okay that's fine it doesn't matter what your what your stake in life is if you're continuing to push the education of children, extremely important. And this guy was in one of the le- legitimately one of the worst places ever in history. I don't know if you read some stories about the fucking tower of London, the shit that would happen there. It's oh my God. Yeah. Absurd. It's so fucking crazy. Uh, and this guy's teaching his daughter geometry there, which couldn't have gone over particularly well <laughs> with some people. It did not end well for Mr. Moore. It sounds like he, should have just embraced Protestantism slightly more and he would have lived out his life unnecessarily happily, but you know, he would have got to live it out. But before he went out, he made sure to do his due diligence and take care of his family and his children and make sure everyone was educated. And that's why he made the list. You know what I get out of Thomas More? You know what I really, really get out of it when it boils down to it is you stick to your guns 
and you still go out there and support your family, even though you're facing 10 beheadings, you're, you're <laughs> sentenced to 10 beheadings and you're like, nah, I'm still going to go out and I'm still going to do this. You know, I, I don't think they were all, it didn't say anything about them all being beheadings, but you know, well, you think one was enough, you know? More. I think. Uh, what do you What do you do? Do you Do you set him up for something else afterwards, just in case he fucking lived through it? You don't know, right? How yeah. people fucking think back then. You got the pikes ready. You're ready to rock and roll, man. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, really, that that's what I get out of that is you're faced up, back literally against the wall. You're done. You know it's done and over. But you're still making sure that your children get an education. Your daughter's still visiting you. That's unbelievable to me, and I actually want to do a little bit more research on that way after this episode and kind yeah, of yeah, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely way. gonna look up some more. I'm sure there's way more to that story that we're missing, and someone on the internet will be like, "But you know, guys, Reddit troll somewhere." Yeah. It's got Wait. a Thomas More shrine. He found the head of Thomas More. I wonder if we have a subreddit. I, I've never looked actually. I'm afraid to look. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> they're just fanfics of us in there. <laughs> 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 But shall we move on to uh, Mr. Number Four on the list, which I know you're super excited about on this one? Actually, move up to to number three. I want to make a point after the fact. Go to go to uh, Mr. Darwin, and then we'll come Ooh. back to Mr. Roosevelt. So number three on our list, since obviously we don't like math, and we're not going to count backwards. We're going to do as we hey, do. We fucking said this episode wasn't about math, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we said it wasn't about the numbers. Oh wait, same. Fuck you. Charles Darwin, number three. (laughs) So I actually didn't know this one. And I I like Darwin and I've studied Darwin a little bit. And he has my favorite awards, the Darwin Awards. I absolutely love them. You know, it's like the Dundies for the office. But to me, anyway, I I digress. Did you know he had 10 children? I actually didn't know he had any children. (laughs) I didn't. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. yeah. You you think he wouldn't have time with all the world traveling he was doing. Um. And you know, figuring out evolution—that that was a that was a pretty cool thing too. As you as you live among the Galapagos turtles, you are the turtles. That that that's where I thought all of his children came from were the turtles. For the, are you insinuating Charles Darwin had sex with the turtles? <laughs> no, I'm saying he adopted the turtles to be his children. Get your head out of that gutter. It's still, we- it's still weird. It doesn't matter how you swing that. Yep, got Good it. Point. All right. New all right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving on. His children per this article all remember him as a loving storyteller who took interest in their lives and encouraged their freedom. So even though this dude's going out there and studying evolution and finding evolution and just being one of those like brilliant scientists of his time, he still found ways to be encouraging in their lives and taking an interest in his child's lives and not just making it all about his work. And there was a quote here that one of his children said, Indeed, it is impossible adequately to describe how delightful a relation his was to his family, whether as children or in their later life. Darwin's daughter, Frances, wrote in her autobiography of Charles Darwin and selected letters. So there's not much about him on that, but really it was, this dude is defined as one of the top scientists to discover one of the biggest phenomenon ever evolution whether you're a creationist but whatever whatever it is right he went out there he did the studies he did the work 
but he still found time for his family and took interest in their lives and their freedoms and letting them pursue their passions and their goals. And I mean, that that's a great reminder for anybody when it comes down to just being a dad, you know, no matter how busy your life is and no matter what you're doing, we could still take a step back and really appreciate what our kids are doing. He's the father of evolution, scientific evolution. You know, if you believe in that or if you don't believe in that, is a gigantic body of work. Took him around the world in the um, late 1800s. Well, mid mid 1800s, I guess. Mid to late. Yeah, mid to late. Those are all extraordinarily time consuming activities. Um, And the fact that he was able to even do them and raise, what, 10 kids, you said? Well, 10 kids. And I also missed this portion, too. But one of his daughters, Annie, died in 1851. So it was a 10-year-old daughter. So not only the fact are you are you devastated by the loss of one of your children, but now you're still going out there. And, and like you said, in the middle 1800s where he's still going out there and he's, and he's finding evolution and he's doing his studies and all of his research, he's dealing with the death of his child as well, too, on top of that. It's madness, right? It, it's absolute madness. Great man, great father. Either you agree with him or if you don't agree with him. You ready to move along to the next one? Yeah, I don't really have anything else I want to add on Darwin. So no, uh, neither do I. I mean, you like, go back to four. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go all the way back to four. You can see this That's list cool. is in order, or, or something like that. By the way, this list is absolutely not in order. It's just you know, hey, these this is what was presented in this article, and we tend to agree with it. So Theodore Roosevelt Sr., father to the U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt Jr. The Roosevelts are a great family. They've done all kinds of crazy stuff for this country. And this, I'm just going to read you some of the quotes that uh, that President Roosevelt said about his father. The best man that I ever knew. In fact, Teddy's tribute to his father in his autobiography is so moving that we'll let him explain what made his old man great. And I quote, he combined strength and courage with gentleness, tenderness, and the great uns- and great unselfishness. He would not tolerate in us children selfishness or cruelty, idleness, cowardice, or untruthfulness as we grew old he made us understand that the same standards of cleaning was demanded from the boys as from the girls that was that what was wrong <laughs> man it's written like it's from fucking 1870 right. <laughs> yeah. that what was wrong and women could not be right in a man with great love and patience and most understanding sympathy and consideration he combined insistence and discipline so I mean that that's oh it's like a whole nother fucking paragraph. Oops, I was oh, like, yeah. my point. I'm like, oh shit, I probably should have gone through this a little better and highlighted some stuff. <laughs> my father worked hard at his business before he died when he was 46. Too early to have retired, he was interested in every social reform movement, and he did immense amount of practical charitable work for himself. He was a big, powerful man with a lanine face. And his heart was filled with gentleness for those who needed help or protection and with possibility of much wrath against a bully or an oppressor. That says a huge amount about that man coming from, obviously it's his son, but um, he's right. president of the United States, president which took us through some of the largest turmoil this country has ever seen. And you think, we, you think it was bad now. I mean, imagine what was going on in the early 1900s, late 1800s. This guy lived through the fucking Civil War. <laughs> so there, there you go. Unfortunately, he only lived till he was 46. But uh, I believe, didn't the Rose? wasn't there like six or seven Roosevelt children? Oh my God. Yeah, they were yeah. a big family. 
yeah. I, I, I imagine knocking out that many kids by the time you're 46. <laughs> Just a thought there. He's a great man, and he produced one of the greatest men in history. And, you know, and it's through Junior's words that you can tell what kind of man he was. He was a fair man. He was a tough man, but he was a patient man, and he was a kind man. And he would not stand for, for wrong. And that's amazing. And in between all the stuff he was doing, he still had time for his friggin' kids. And it was awesome. You said something that brought me back to an interview we did recently with a really good buddy of mine, Martin Vasquez, when we talked about your legacy will live on in your children for generations. And you brought that up tremendously, how Teddy Roosevelt, how we talked about how his father implemented or ingrained these ideals of not being selfish of keeping a clean living of no cowardice of but willing to stand strong and just be that and that resonated a lot with roosevelt himself and later on in generations as he wrote in his book but i mean that just goes to show like your legacy is going to live on whatever whatever it is that you write your legacy for your child it just moves forward at that point and it stays for generations because Everybody knows of Teddy Roosevelt and what he did. Dave, every once in a while, and I, I've said this four or five times since we started this, you just blow me out of the fucking water. You want to warn me when you're going to do shit like that? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dickhead. <laughs> that was well put. I, I really can't put it any, any better. Want to move along? Yeah, I guess we'll move along. This one has local ties. This one does. You beat me to it, you bastard. Yeah, fuck you. I you got you this time. Bastard. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I was going to be so happy. <laughs> Go on. Nicholas II, the czar of what? Emperor was it? Yeah, I guess that was a czar, right? Czar back then. Czar, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, czar. I forget when the, the Russian I, aristocracy died. It's a right yeah. around this time. Speaking of family tragedies, well, I don't know why. That's how it starts off. Like, oh, because of Darwin, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, obviously, we know he was murdered along his wife and his children. But apparently oh, he... That's that's when the Russian aristocracy died in 1918. There you go. Problem solved. We figured it there out. There we go. Yeah. Look at that. I knew. You see? We figured this out. One fearless father trivia point at a time. Man, we really did our work before this. Yeah. We nailed it. So even though he was a really shitty ruler, you know, because the whole bringing down of the uh, Russian Empire and all that fun shit, apparently he was a very concerned father and a really caring father. They had four daughters and a son, Alexei. I love how they only named the son and not the daughters. It does if they all died. <laughs> well, you obviously know one of the names of the daughters. Oh, yeah. Anastasia. Yeah, there you go. You put it together. But. Unfortunately, Alexei had hemophilia, which, as we know, is a blood disorder that uh, keeps you bleeding. Obviously, Nicholas II was very worried about his heir dying. So what did he do? Well, this is, said Brian Pavlik, a professor of history at King's College in Pennsylvania. Woo! Local ties in the web eight years ago published that nobody's ever found this article. <laughs> <laughs> but... What did Nicholas do? He allowed the infamous healer, Mr. Grigory Rasputin, which had political enemies later used against him as a healer, to try and heal his son. Which, by the way, 
we got a two for special on this one. Rasputin himself had a daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She escaped uh, Russia a few years after her father's death and became a cabaret dancer, a governess, and a cookbook author. Oh, and also a lion tamer. Huh. Hey, here's a good one about Rasputin and the whole uh, hemophilia thing. I And by the way, I learned this from another podcast, <laughs> which I, I just listened to uh, last podcast and left their whole thing on Rasputin. So there was a a really large medical advance in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And that's, um, you know, aspirin. It was, it was a huge, huge deal. It's a, it's a painkiller. Um, they would just throw it at, at, at everything, all the doctors. Oh, he hurts? Give him some aspirin. Oh, he's bleeding profusely? Right. Give him some aspirin. Now, the problem with the hemophilia, what, what does aspirin do, David? Oh, it's a blood thinner. Yes. And a guy who already can't control his, you know, his ble- bleeding, he doesn't clot. Well, the last thing you want to do is pump him full of that, which is what they would do on a regular basis. So literally all Rasputin would do would like, like if he wasn't there, he'd just write him a letter that says, don't touch the kid. He'll be fine. And like send it in. Or if he was there, he'd just pick the kid up, take him out of the room before they could give him a big fucking dose of medication. And that's how he healed him. Like, that's, that's all it took. This motherfucker destroyed an empire from inside by doing shit like that. I always hear about Rasputin, but I never really looked much into him other than hearing stuff every now and again. But that's, that's amazing. Moving so, on. are we going to number one? Sure. And once again, these aren't in any particular order. This is just kind of the order that, you know, we always use is six, five, three, four, two, one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. In America. That's how we roll. Yes. In talking about America, this is this is probably the most contentious one, I would say, because of because of recent history. And it's actually the 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama. I I tend to agree with this because of the various things that people go through when they're, you know, doing something like being the president of the fucking United States, especially during a time of war, a time of recession. He, he was not handed a good a, a good card uh, when he was elected. He's the leader of the free fucking world. And he's what is he? He's got two daughters, right? Yeah. Okay. So what this guy managed to do was, you know, not only most of these kids, youths were spent in the White House and the other part of them, he was a senator. So, you know, he's a he was a senator. He was a community organizer. He's a he's just a generally great guy. I'm I'm sure a lot of people won't share that opinion (laughs) of him. But at the end of the day, he worked hard and he worked hard for his kids. The point where he actually wrote a book addressed to his daughters is uh, of these I sing um, in 2010 during all that all that craziness that was going on with oh, him. Yeah. Uh, just absolutely, absolutely nuts. It, there's not much I can I, I can say as per, you know, like an individual thing that he did. It's just that, you know, some people sometimes when, you know, political children or children that are products of a political family come out you know think things happen to them and you know they they, they lose the limelight but I, I think the obama girls ended up being like extraordinarily um oh, dave what's the word i'm looking for you didn't really hear a lot about them no you did he kept them he kept them away from away from yeah him. i think 
help them in a whole bunch of ways, but he always made time for them as well. So I, I think he just did a, just a, a really excellent job being a father. You know, sometimes I don't think he was a super great president, but uh, he he was he he was an excellent father through and through, and literally wrote that into the history books, and it it, it will remain his legacy for a long period of time. Anything anything you want to add to it? I'm going to throw this out there. Love him, hate him, indifferent about him. The dude is a dad at the end of the day. And right. we, we as Americans and we just as people in general and myself included, we tend to forget that. We tend to forget that when we see these high, high profile celebrities, public figures, public servants, what have you, right? We forget about that. But we brought it up. He... I mean, I never really heard a lot about Obama's kids when he was the president or really knowing what he was doing behind what the public was showing us. I think what a lot of this, what this top six does, and this really culminates it for me, is the fact no matter how high up on the scale you are, you still find time for your kids. You still define in your own mind and in your own heart what it means for you to be the world's greatest dad. For Nicholas, I didn't have much to say about him, but he was concerned about his son who had hemophilia and wanted to make sure he was going to be okay before they, you know, got murdered and completely crippled an entire <laughs> atrocity, you know. But anyway, I digress. It has to do with defining what is world's greatest dad in your in your mind, right? Barack easily could have just said, well, my kids are the first children, so they're going to be plastered all over the media and they're going to be seen through the world. You never really heard a lot about them in those eight years. He did a really good job of letting them be kids, letting them grow up. Yeah, they spent most of their times in D.C. and in the White House, and he was a senator for a term. Love him or hate him, he was still a dad. He is still a dad. I think that shows, you know, his great restraint because, you know, the the press would love to get a hold of a good story. All day. Yeah. And, all day. And, you know love or hate our current president you know who you don't hear about all the time you hear about baron baron trump yeah and it's the same thing and you know the press would want i'd love to get a hold of a story about that and people you know go after him and because they don't see melania too often only only really ever at public events well she's a mother she's got a, she got a 12 year old kid <laughs> so of course you're not going to see her all the time she's probably taking care of her fucking kid and i don't i don't think the public gives these large public, these large public figures, um, you know, a fair shake as far as parenthood goes. We really, and like I said, I'm guilty of this too. And I know you are, and Absolutely. a majority of us are, we put it in our heads that you're this public figure. You need to be open and transparent, no matter what it is, politics, celebrity, whatever, right? We're, we're looking for that next juicy story. We're looking for that gossip, but we forget at the end of the day that these are just normal guys, normal dads trying to go out there and doing what they believe is best for their kids. Yeah. And like you said, whether or not you believe with the current president or not, I, I don't care. I, honestly, I don't care. I'm going to keep politics out of it. But it's really, we forget what they're doing as a dad, what they, what they want to achieve as a father, and what it is they're trying to do. Now, I may not agree with anything, you know, any president's ever said, or really a lot of people I, I tend to disagree with or kind of look in the middle. But we really, 
as ourselves, we have to reflect not only just on ourselves, but on those who came before us. Charles Darwin, how he stayed open for his children all those years as he's discovering evolution. Teddy Roosevelt talking about how his father built his legacy and kept his legacy moving forward after he died at 46. Charlemagne taking care of his potentially illegitimate hunchback child and instead of beheading him, letting him live his rest of his life in a monastery. Like we have to, we, we really, I feel we really have to look at that and kind of appreciate that in a sense. And like, this is what we do as dads. We, we do what we believe is best at the right time for our children. Yeah, that's, that's really all we wanted to convey here is, you know, hey, here are these really immense historical figures that were successfully fathers, even in the worst situations, because, you know, they, they took the time to do it. But the point, our point is, you know, anybody could do it. Anybody could be a good dad, as long as you just have your good values and, you know, your, your head's on straight and you ask the questions and Hey, you're going to get shit wrong. You're always, <laughs> I got some shit wrong today. It's just such as life. Yep. But as long as you keep trying and progressing and pushing forward to the very end, you will be a great dad. And that's the point we're going to make in our next episode. That is a great transition into the next episode. That really was. See, I mean, you got me. You got me on this one. It only took you 49 episodes, but you finally got me on a good one. I'm sure I got you on one or two of them. <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to our listen to our drudgery from the very beginning. Some of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. But we're going to close this out fearless father style, guys. I want to thank you. I want to thank you personally today, me and Ryan both, for tuning in to episode 49 of the Fearless Fathers podcast, part one of our two-part world's greatest dads mini series that we got going on i hope you took something out of this you know take what resonates work it into your life know that the greatest fathers sometimes fail in their own lives but they still continue to try and improvise adapt overcome keep sharing this podcast with others out there other new dads other expectant dads other the quote-unquote experienced dads out there that are trying to find their way, trying to build, trying to become a fearless father in their own sense, trying to become the world's greatest dad in their own sense. Check us out online, fearlessfathers.net. You could check out past episodes there. Drop us a line. Let us say what's up. Let us know how you're doing. Share your story with us. We want to hear from you guys. We love the engagement. We love the continued support. Thank you for supporting this from the bottom of our hearts. We wouldn't be damn near episode 49 right now if it wasn't for you. So Thank you for continuing to, to listen to this dredge that goes on every, every twice a week. Check us out on Patreon. We're going out there. We're going to redo some of the tiers here in the next couple weeks. Uh, take a look at them. For as little as a buck a month, it, we're going to send you out a thank you just for supporting what we're doing here and building it out. Thank you for supporting us any which way, even by sharing this. Leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're checking out the podcast. That goes a long way for us, too, in helping other fathers find this as well. And just continue, guys, to go out there every day. Put in your reps. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time. And maybe one day we'll be reading your name from the top six list of an article published eight years ago <laughs> about the world's greatest stats. You laugh, but I'm looking forward to that day, goddammit. It, uh, it would be funny. 
if just like in a couple weeks we were like we're we're reading from our uh you know dad uh world's greatest dad segment or whatever we decide to end up calling it and um it's just it there's a line item in the article and it's like i got the courage because of this podcast and it's just your fucking face first off <laughs> i'll be really mad second <laughs> i'd be really proud <laughs> Well, I am the face. You're the you're the troll that does all the research. So yeah, yeah, I really nailed it this fucking episode. <laughs> Your children learn and grow every single day. Just because you're an adult does not mean you can't do the same. We are becoming the world's greatest dad in our own minds, one step at a time, one day at a time, and together we're going to embrace the fear. Always. Oh.